0: Fantasy NBA Hybrid Podcast brought to you by Kyle, Jalen, and Michael. We are here not even one week after a crazy draft and a crazy free agency start. A lot has happened. We're going to talk about a few of our favorite teams, and we're going to start with the bafflement that is the Detroit Pistons. We went into Wednesday with the number seven draft pick, which I was very excited about, I had high hopes that Tyrese Halliburton would be the pick at seven. We got to seven. Halliburton was still available. My only worry that it was, was that he would already have been taken. He was not. He was still available. And the Pistons selected Killian Hayes. Kyle, how do you feel about Killian Hayes?
1: Only time will tell. But um, I'm interested. I uh... I'm more excited now than at any point since when the Pistons drafted uh, a certain player with a hell of a um, college mixtape um, in uh, Stanley Johnson. Um, and I'm just hoping that it doesn't turn You're out the same way. Hayes here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like I, the, the, the comparison's killing me already. Um, you know, my worry about but him, I do, he's, I, he's, a, I, he's a little slow and he's not the shooter that Halliburton is. So like, those are my knocks on him. But um, from what I understand, the front office really liked his experience in Europe and thought it would transfer really well uh, to the NBA. Um, yeah, as you said, we'll, we'll Yeah, we'll The see.
1: definition on him right now is crafty playmaker. And right. that's something that... I do feel if he, I feel like that's a, a skill that can translate relatively quickly, um, yeah. to the NBA, um, you know, provided that you can see the game well, um, you know, as fast as the NBA is, but you know, he's been playing professional ball now. Um, nice. um, and so I do think that like, there's, there's upside there. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the line out there on Tyrese Halliburton is, um, you know, that uh, he's, you know, a potential, like, real star. I I mean, the Kings were ecstatic to get him at
0: 12. Um, I I feel like it's going to be one of those picks that is, is later looking back at all of the teams that passed on him
1: as he's beating them in the playoffs. Um, I, I was really surprised that we didn't hear more about Buddy Heald moving around after that, too. I mean, just to get into some of these other, like, lower-tier teams that uh, yeah are moving and shaking right now. I mean, like, we all knew about how discontent he was. And maybe just, um, you know, moving Bogdan Bogdanovich um, right. and freeing up some of the minutes there and shots there is enough to keep him happy. um, But I thought, you know, you'd want to get Halliburton in there right away. I I, I think so. And I think he will. um, You know,
0: if Bog Bog's gone, I think you're still looking at Fox starting, of course, um, Halliburton backing him up. But Halliburton can run at the two as well. So, um, you know, I could see those three uh, Fox healed Halliburton splitting most of those minutes.
2: Yeah, I think I would start Halliburton at the two just because, I mean, all indications are that he'll be a better defender than Buddy Heald. And Buddy Heald right. seems like the the perfect candidate to be like a microwave scorer off the bench. To just come in, get buckets, run 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 off some screens and shoot threes and, you know, dominate the offense in that way. But um real question about whether he'll uh, accept
0: that role, right? Well, he already hasn't accepted it, and let that be, be wildly <laughs> yeah. known, or widely known and widely known. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I guess that's that's a fair question. Maybe they'll have to start him just to keep things, just to appease him. I mean, I, th- I don't think he's long for the Kings, as you said. I, I would have to imagine he gets traded sometime soon. The real issue is, like, you know, does anyone want to trade for him, since he kind of has a balloon contract for a one-way scorer?
0: Yeah hard, hard to know what's happening There um, still a couple of days before The rest of that will shake out um, Whether they're going to match uh, Bogdanovich's offer sheet From the Hawks
2: um, But before and, we move too far yeah. from the Pistons I want to yeah, say yeah, no we have um, to go
0: back to the Pistons There's a ton to talk about
2: <laughs> Yeah I wanted to say like w- in, in our pre-draft pod we were talking about Patrick Williams and how he had been rising up Draft boards right. and how that kind of Made me nervous I think just because of like The process of it all generally when a guy Rises up draft boards at the last minute. Um, you know
1: who I think of when that happens is Anthony Bennett.
2: Yeah, it's 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 just because like you know it's like maybe he shot well in a couple draft workouts, or he interviewed really well, or he likes to, he has the same favorite movie as the owner, or something like that. <laughs> you're you're kind of worried that he's being overdrafted, and I don't know if I'm like completely assuaged of those fears for Patrick Williams, but I will say I saw a video of him you know, it's is a real season on the internet and on Twitter. Um, he's a pretty good ball handler for his size. And that's something I think maybe that I was discounting or not giving uh, proper attention to in my breakdown of him. And someone said, and I like this idea that he's been billed as someone whose value is on the defensive end, but it might actually be on the offensive end. Right. Um, the thinking being that, you know, he has kind of like tree trunk thighs right now, and maybe that's <clears throat> limiting his mobility. But I think he might just have slow feet and so ideally you know ideally he could guard three fours and five maybe more realistically he can guard fours and some fives um so i so i think you know that how that shakes out will determine his defensive value but it seems like offensively the ball handling looked real in in the videos i saw and he seems to be able to get in and out of like a uh, pull up jump shot, which is like a pretty good skill for like a six, eight, six, nine guy.
0: And apparently his shooting is improving really quickly, which was one of the reasons he he moved up so much um, in, in the draft there. So um, which but- is to say,
2: I think good that the, the Pistons didn't take him and like yeah. from the fear of that, but also that maybe he works out better than I was originally thinking.
1: Right, right, yeah, I'm I'm with you well, on, on all of those points. Go ahead, and I will say that my my time of deflection is over. I can I, I I got a a little bit of a reprieve here in having to talk about the Pistons, and I got to be optimistic for a moment. Um, but probably yeah, it's t- <laughs> for it's about time a half an hour, hour right? It's it's it. Well, I mean, I'm not willing to give up on it just yet. Um, I think a good comparison was you know that the Suns did everything wrong last year, and now look. Them. Um, And and who who knows? The Pistons Pistons did everything wrong. I I willingly accept Killian Hayes. I actually think that there are are a number of good signings on here that I really like, but I I do want to focus first of all um, on what is it has to be, or at least appears right now to be the most egregious mistake because it's led to, um, you know, just so many cascading effects, which is that they, after they draft Killian Hayes, um, the next pick that they get at 16 is Isaiah Stewart. And you, you automatically think then if they're, you know, if they're trading for another first round pick and then they take a kind of out of nowhere, um, choice of... Nobody had Stewart in the teens. Nobody. Yeah, of a, of a big man that they're planning on some shuffling in the front court that would necessitate bringing in and giving, you'd hope, substantial minutes to a player just outside the lottery. But then on the first day of free agency, they go out and sign Mason Plumley and then when they decide to trade for Dwayne Deadman to get off of Tony Snell's contract, they, I mean, just like, I don't even know how to think about all these things together, but the point is it doesn't look like Isaiah Stewart is going to be playing. It looks like you're overpaying Mason Plumley and yeah. you've waived and stretched Dwayne Deadman. And no matter how many good moves that you make this year, you're paying Dwayne Deadman like, million for the next five years and i just
2: i can't even get
1: my head around that
2: part of it i mean i think the interesting thing is that it seems like from the reporting that i've seen online james l edwards of the athletic and i think uh bobby marks has mentioned this that the pistons seemed their intention seemed to be to waive one or both of deadman and magruder like they almost they got the contract to waive it Uh, wave and stretch it so like i don't even know if we can call it a mistake like i think i think or it can be both right it can be a mistake or a bad idea but it seems like a plan that they had all along to wave and stretch some portion of uh deadman's contract um and it's and i think i don't know if you want to be kind to him why
1: here's the reason why i just don't buy any of it i mean like i get so i buy that this was the plan but why I will not even give up any ground in believing that it's a good plan. Because if you're going to wave and stretch someone to open up a certain amount of cap space that you wouldn't have had, if you had had say Tony Snell on the team, you would expect for better moves than to spend that money on overpaying Mason Plumlee um, on paying Jeremy Grant right now, when he isn't going to like, his improvement to the team isn't going to be significant in a way to actually get them into any kind of contention. They're just... Oh, there's yeah, no, no, there, there's no scenario where I find that to be a good move. I mean, weirdly, I like a lot of the moves around the edges. I mean, I so, love Delon Wright. I mean, like, No, I mean yeah,
2: I'm on your side, I agree. It can both be a part of the plan and just like a bad plan. Like as you're saying, you shouldn't you shouldn't weigh stretch and wave like someone a portion of someone's contract to then overpay Mason Pumley or even pay Mason Plumlee. Maybe he deserves $8 million to, based on, like, the ridiculousness of the center market in this free agency period for some reason. But, like, there's just no reason for the Pistons specifically to be paying Mason Plumlee $8 million. Do we
1: need to do an episode at some point about, like, we've been hearing for years and years that the league is changing and that this is now a guard and forward, primarily like a, a, you know, a swingman, a a forward league. And yet year after year, it's still the big men getting overpaid. And I just, I don't quite know how to square those two narratives, right? Um, Where there's this constant teams are overpaying big men and there's this teams need to prioritize wings. Um, And the Lakers actually just won with a, you know, a, a a supersized lineup. I mean, like,
2: yeah, but I mean, again, this is like the this is the thing that like I don't really understand from teams. The Lakers won with a supersized lineup, but their best lineup was AD at center. AD is a center, but that but he's like a modern center. He's like right. you know he's the unicorn that he, he he's taking step back threes and coming off screens. The game winner he hit against Denver, he ran off a screen like a guard. Like AD it's, is not a normal center. So if you're trying to replicate that based on drafting someone based on size Mason Plumley or someone like that. Like, it just it doesn't make sense. Maybe if you want to tell me a draft pick has that kind of upside. Sure. But like, there's just no reason to be spending this kind of money on like, one way centers or centers who are just, they just can't have that kind of impact. Yeah, if you yeah, have AD, you absolutely should spend money on a center.
0: I mean, the Lakers win with the lineup they ran because they have two Unicorns. They have LeBron, who can play point guard, and they have AD, who can play, and you know, the 3, 4, or 5 if he wants.
2: Yeah, and LeBron and, can and, play power forward, too, so, and center, Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's right. All, all of it. And so sure. it's a problem when you look at the Pistons, who signed five centers in three days, one of whom was going to be waived, who wouldn't have had to have been waived if they hadn't signed Plumlee to begin with. Um, One of the things we talked about um, off the pod is that the money for Plumley and Grant lined up really well for a sign and trade for Griffin, which might have been in the works and never quite happened. And that's how we ended up in this scenario. It still doesn't explain why you take Stewart at 16 and then Sadiq Bey at 18. You know, there was a lot of people like Halliburton at 12. Sadiq Bey at 18 looked like a really good value. But why didn't they take him at 16 instead of 18? You know, the explanation for Stewart is that I want to say it was Troy Weaver. It um, was pals with his college coach, and they had a lot of inside intel. So hopefully that pays off
1: somehow. And- I mean, his highlights are really striking. I mean, he looks like... I mean sure he looks like one of these just incredible energy you know power forward centers but he's so just it, not going to get minutes now and so it's in and, and on a team that I really don't expect anything out of so I don't really I mean I would much yeah. rather be I would rather be the Thunder right now I love what the Thunder are doing and I have no idea how it is that they managed to continue to have talent like Al Horford on their team when they have this war chest of first round picks it's really impressive stuff that's going on there and then you see what the Pistons are doing and they're just going to like I guess like hang around like maybe the play-in game
2: I mean if the Thunder wanted to they could have they could have probably fielded a team that would have wound up like fighting scratching and clawing for the play-in game in the ninth or tenth seed because I mean they had Kelly Oubre right they got rid of him they had ricky Rubio, got rid of him uh yeah. they still have horford they had danny green like if they kept all these they players still have that's Shea. a decent that's a decent team and yeah. and, and, and
1: like, like a lot of not, like, i mean i know those guys are up but um
2: and i mean they, they got a the first problem. round pick
1: for Horford now and they're gonna get another one when they flip him. That's the yep. crazy thing. I think like <laughs> yep. the the I just I feel like that's gonna happen it, The weird situation with the Sixers is that like they're trying, you know, so hard to get off of Horford's contract And I feel now that like the Thunder are gonna be this perfect place for him to like accrue some value And then they're gonna manage to get even more assets on flipping on, on the back end and I and I we just so, need some management like that in Detroit. So, so Kyle you told and me you were going Troy to give Reaver the was Pistons supposed to be that guy. You know, we like literally got some of the management from Oklahoma City to come here. Yeah. And then it must be something in the air there.
0: So I just need to point out, Kyle, that you were going to put a positive spin on the Pistons, and we <laughs> haven't. So I'm going to try. Here's what I like. Killian Kays at, Hayes at the 7 was fine. I like the value of Sadiq Bey at 18. I like that they traded for DeLon Wright. Um, I like him back with Dwayne Casey, who knows how to use him. I think there could be some payoff there. Um, other small things, I thought they did well, um, picking up Magruder, Josh Jackson, Jaleel Okafor, Musa, um, in different trades, deals, etc. All of those guys could develop. I like that they're taking the shots develops those
1: guys. guys. He really does, and I well, I, he does. I, I, so,
0: like, I, I, I'm hopeful there. Um, the one thing and I we knew still believe
1: he, in Seku. We still believe in. Oh Seku. yeah,
0: of course, I absolutely do. But so, the really big question that we haven't gotten to do you want christian wood on the team at 13 plus million or grant at 20 or do you don't use, remove the money which one do you want christian wood a modern 4-5 or jeremy grant a 3-4 who disappeared in the playoffs last season
2: well i think grant played well in the playoffs you know, but this grant is grant was great this is, in the playoffs
1: i mean I that's why he got this contract
2: this is the problem, though. They're paying no. Grant. Like, Grant is now making more money just just a little bit over what Zach Levine makes. And Zach Levine is an extremely flawed player, but Zach Levine is better at being a primary scorer than Jeremy Grant is. Like, they're paying Jeremy Grant to be the team's primary or secondary scorer. He can't be lower than Blake Griffin in the pecking order, assuming that it'll take Killian Hayes a bit of, a bit of time to get acclimated to the NBA game. Like, it just... I just don't think he's cut out for that. And like they're I don't like are they even banking on that? I mean, clearly, they have to be banking on some kind of improvement there for him to do that. But it's also like, this is a thing. i I feel like the Pistons are like they want a competence level. They want a certain level of competence, but they're certainly not. I don't know if they're really chasing the a seed with these moves. I don't know if they're really chasing the playoffs, right? If they were chasing the playoffs, they wouldn't have traded Bruce Brown. Uh, and Luke Kennard, who were two of their better players last year, who were both young. And their argument for not for trading them is they didn't fit the timeline. And if those guys didn't fit the timeline, who was, what, Bruce Brown was 24 or 25, I think, then that just means that they're clearly not playing for this year or next year. So it, it's interesting. They seem to be trying to walk this fine line. And I think, as you said at the beginning, Kyle, like they made some head-scratching moves, waving and stretching guys – overpaying mason plumley overpaying jeremy grant but you know things might come out all right i guess uh you know maybe blake griffin uh you know recoup some value and they can trade him maybe they can trade derrick rose uh maybe Sekou pops you know as as we said stewart and Sadiq bay have uh real potential killian hayes has real potential so maybe things will work out um and they're setting themselves up for like two years down the road they were not
1: going to pay Luke Kennard. Um, and I think that that's one of the, they, they, I thought that was a good move. They flipped Luke Kennard at a moment when they could get. Yeah. He's
0: not on the right same timeline as the rest of the guys they have here. So it made a lot of sense. Um,
1: I just wanted them to clear up the front court to get their young guys playing time. I
0: mean, that's yeah, kind of, a mess. I mean, I guess it's like, it'll eight, be starting in and, and plumley um Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, it's weird. I'm saying front court there because I'm like, I think that Jeremy Grant should be playing the power forward, but apparently he's coming to play the small forward, which makes me wonder what the heck Seku's doing. I mean, it's just like I don't understand. Like, Seiko's on the bench. <laughs> so.
2: what, and this is what, the thing we mentioned. We he's mentioned, super young. Uh, We mentioned Sam Presty. Sam Presti. I tweeted this. Sam Presti is the is the Hinky that was promised. He's doing he's doing the process right now in front of our eyes, and we're all just like baffling and marveling at it because he still has a functional team somehow. He's getting first-round picks in, like, every single deal. They have George Hill on the team. They're going to get another first-round pick for trading George Hill.
1: Back it's to just, the This is
2: insane.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really the trouble with is that he he went too far in he thought that you not only needed to collect a bunch of first round picks you needed to make sure that you maximized the potential lottery picks that your team was going to get and he wasn't wrong i mean like he got mb and simmons but um, wasn't at least one of them with a brooklyn pick as in he wouldn't have had to tank
2: yeah, I don't, I don't remember. He also like won. he also was like collecting second round picks like they were diamonds um, and pretty much alienated like uh, player agents by constantly getting them to sign these like strange contracts that didn't pay them a whole lot of money. So, I mean, I think he was, you know, a casualty of his own sort of aims, but I I, I still think he, I still think that like what Sam Hinky is doing is like evidence that like you know, there's, there's an argument to do what Sam Hinkie did, if not in the exact way that he did it.
0: Oh, I think there absolutely is. You know, the problem with the Sixers is, is um, Embiid and Simmons, two great picks, haven't really fit together particularly well. And then the other pieces around them have exacerbated that issue. Um, but it still yeah. seems like the right path. OKC has is, is, is maximized that path far better than anybody else has.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the real problem was the Markel Fultz miss and the Okafor miss and then just the, like, the change in leadership that sort of, like, cratered the rebuild that they were doing and, like, sped up the process and kind of led to some short-sighted moves that made them expensive and not exactly a team that makes sense. So maybe this is a good time to transition to what the Sixers are doing this offseason.
0: They drafted a lot of bigs who can't shoot. I mean, a lot of those early—Okafor was one— um, think, uh, who's the other uh, Nerlens Noel? Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of early bigs that just because the NBA changed, they also never got any payoff. And then the other issue with the Sixers is 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 one that the Celtics has felt a little bit. You know, you have to convert those at some point, and they didn't convert well. The Celtics have missed conversion points too, and yeah, it's a, it's a whole string of maneuvers that have to happen, not just the collection.
2: Yeah. Well, Kyle, do you want to lead us in discussion of the Sixers? What are your thoughts on what they did this offseason so far? I
1: don't really have anything bad to say about any of it. Um, I, I'm i excited for, for this year. Uh, you know, as everybody's mentioning, this team is a lot better fit than um, last year. And Al Horford and Josh Richardson are tremendously talented players um i was actually pretty sad to see uh josh richardson go i mean i was actually wondering what you thought about that uh, jalen just given how much exposure you must have had to him when he was in miami but um i also understand that he didn't really fit what they just they need more shooting and they need players that can put the ball on the floor and he doesn't really do either of those
2: yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's like a fair characterization. I mean, I think yeah, he was I overe- disagree. <laughs> I think he was overextended. The, I think the big reason that heat moved on for him is because they realized he was overextended as a lead ball handler or as a primary creator. That's a role that they explored, I think, in like his final year or two there in Miami. but, I just think it was a product of like coaching and fit and just like the general vibe on the Sixers. Like I don't think anyone really per- played as well as they had in the past last year for the Sixers, except for maybe Ben Simmons. I think Joel Embiid didn't play as well. Um, I'd, obviously Horford didn't play as well. Richardson didn't play as well. So I just think that like, I think he'll be better uh, in a new situation in in with the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, maybe he's just, dropped off a bit as a defensive player and his defensive impact isn't as good which would be bad but I mean clearly the Mavericks are betting on him returning to some form of what he was in his last couple years with the heat um so I mean I think as you said the fit is definitely better Seth Curry is like one of the best shooters alive um and you know surrounding Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons with shooting good things tend to happen yeah, yeah so I did
1: want to, like, the, the Sixers, the reason why I brought up the ball handling, um, was because it's still a weakness, and we can get to talking about that when we go through the rest of the roster, um, but the point with Richardson is that he, he, he didn't have good enough shooting or good enough ball handling, as in, like, dribble penetration skills, um, to really make up for, um, you know the the you know the either or the or right. So it's basically he didn't have good enough dribbled penetration skills to make up for his you know average and good to good shooting. You know, and he didn't have um, you know good enough shooting to make up for the fact that he couldn't uh, drive. Just because those are things that the Sixers need pretty desperately, and last year they didn't have at all.
2: I mean, I agree, but I don't really think they have them now even outside (laughs) of well they have
1: shooting uh, but they don't but they don't have like yeah i don't think
2: seth curry is really like he can score, but he's certainly yeah, not like go. a rim attacker who's going to get to the free throw line or get to the rim all the time. I mean, Richardson and, you know, had a
0: better chance at that than Curry yeah. will.
2: And I think they're. I think what they're really hoping is Tyrese Maxey will become that guy. But you're right. I mean, I, you're right. It makes more sense to have Seth Curry next to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons just because, like, if he's open, he's knocking it down at, like, a 43 or 45% clip. Um, and he, he has a little bit of, like, step back, one dribble to the side, In his game that maybe, you know, maybe Daryl Morey and the coaches there will like encourage him to get into that more since he is such a good shooter, kind of like what um, the Heat did with Duncan Robinson, just like forcing him to shoot. Like if you don't shoot, you're actually hurting us because that's how good of a shooter you are. So maybe that'll be something that they can even get more out of Seth Curry.
0: So the 76ers definitely got better with shooting around Simmons and Embiid, but I think one of the issues they're still going to face, and maybe this is something Doc Rivers solves with whatever offense they run there, but there's still going to be some issues with the half court, potentially. Simmons has never been great in the half court. The backup is Shea, who got some things done last year and provided a little spark for them. And then there's the hope of the draft pick, Tyrese Maxey, who's supposed to be incredibly quick but a little young still. How do you think that works out for the Seventy Sixers?
2: So I've heard mixed mixed opinions about Tyrese Maxey. Some guys think he's just not good, and I think a lot of other people who believe in his pre-college shooting samples believe that he's you know young, athletic, uh, willing to defend, uh, can do some things with the ball in with the ball in his hands, and is a better shooter than his Kentucky sample would indicate. So if you take the you know, the optimistic view on that, then the 76ers potentially have like a low grade version of the kind of like young uh, primary ball handler that they've been looking for since forever or not forever, but since like the past five years, five plus years since they missed on Markel Fultz. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think you have to be happy with what the Sixers did this off season, I guess is what I would say. They added shooting, they added youth, they got some good backup options for uh, Embiid, so that means maybe yeah. he won't have to play as much. Um, you know, he can rest in this condensed season this year. Um, yeah, and I think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid being at their best was probably always the best way the team could improve, and, you know, making the team a better fit should help in that regard.
1: It's interesting, and I asked in a way because, like, I feel like watching the Sixers over the last couple of years, you um, there's like a set of inbuilt expectations because of the way that Brett Brown coached and that like past has me feeling that as good as Tyrese Maxey might be coming into the league and he might be ready to play that they wouldn't play him. But Doc Rivers is a different coach and this is a different team and there are different priorities in the front office and, you know i'm really interested to see kind of like how that all shakes out um i really hope that um maxi gets every opportunity because he has a skill set that they certainly need um you know shake milton is really the only other ball handler um, ball handling guard that they have and and milton Milton has been really effective for them I mean Milton was like you know in the 50s you know like a second round pick in the 50s like really you know someone who you wouldn't expect a ton out of and so you're really happy to have what you got out of him but he's limited. And if yeah. you're a Sixers fan and you're really hoping to see them go to the conference finals, if not the finals, which, you know, if you're going by the timeline from a couple of years ago, all expectations should be finals now, not just like reaching the conference finals. Um, you have to be thinking that you need a little bit more firepower at, a, at that position. And I, you know, like i said it really just i feel like it's going to come down to a lot of like what the organization's priorities are now and how ready to play Tyrese Maxey is and they're certainly going to need it on the other end because You know, to talk about the other side of that trade where uh, where the actually we didn't even bring it up yet. But um, this involves the Pistons, the other team that we're talking about, obviously. But, you know, they traded for Zaire Smith and they traded Tony Bradley, who was one of these other free agent pickups that they got um, and they. You obviously they had expendable bigs at that point. And um, the Sixers, um, you know, he's an interesting pickup, like for a couple of different reasons. I mean, I feel like he he, he's a good backup um, for Joel Embiid and maybe for a few years to come if they decide to keep him. But they did also, of course, pick up Dwight Howard. And so you wonder how much playing time he's really going to get with that rotation the way that they have it right now. Um, His contract is good. And uh um, I think other teams go bear go bear.
0: He put up real yeah. lines. Um, and
1: I think I think he's someone who could potentially be a trade asset if they are looking to upgrade in other areas. But that's just to say that they don't have shooting at the five besides Embiid. And so true. when you don't have shooting at the five and you know, like you you have to go to some smaller lineups or whatever else to get shooting on the floor in these things, I think that like other you know, capable guards are going to be at a premium, um, and so I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how the the group gels. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I was looking at
0: depth charts uh, for the Seventy Sixers, and some of them have Thibault starting at the three.
1: Do you think that'll happen? So that would there there Ben Simmons will be the point guard. And so right, nominal point guard, and then, and and then, then Green or Danny Curry Green. at the
0: two um Harris at the four and beat at the five of course there aren't a lot of other options I mean, it makes a kind of sense it, I mean uh, I could also uh, just see I them starting they,
1: both Danny Green and Seth Curry uh,
0: yeah I could too
2: yeah it seems like if you want the shooting to be maximized Um, and you would think that like, based on how last year went, they would lean more shooting than defense since the defense didn't really live up to being as advertised last year. You just go Simmons, Curry, uh, Danny green, uh, Tobias Harris, and then Embiid. I think that gives you the most spacing. And then you bring Tybal off the bench, Milton, um, and then, uh, Maxie in some capacity off the bench.
0: Right right um yeah but the Sixers look a little thinner than i expected uh after all of this was was still a pretty big hole at the point guard well the backup point guard
1: yeah just like uh, when you look at their second unit you're like who is going to score like if you don't like if you do have danny green and seth curry in the starting lineup who in the second unit can score
0: Yeah, Good question.
1: Not a lot left. So uh, let's move on to the
0: last team we we wanted to talk about tonight, um, the Miami Heat. um, Jalen's hometown team. Uh, um, Pat Riley has been in the news talking about uh, running it back for weeks and weeks. um, And it appears they're going to mostly they brought back Gore and they brought back uh, Myers. um, But they let Jay Crowder go. Uh Jalen, how are you feeling about the Miami Heat offseason?
2: Um, I have mixed feelings. Uh it feels like, you know, they pretty much stood pat uh for the most part. The only people they lost were Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. Um I really like Derek Jones Jr. as like a player and he seems like a nice guy. I like that he's signed to Puma. I like Puma's shoes. I like that he's <laughs> yeah and he won the dunk contest and he can, you know take off like an airplane in game situations as well. But I think they'll probably be just fine without him um, because right. I think, you know, Josh Lloyd said this on Twitter that the idea of Derek Jones, I think is better than the actual Derrick Jones. And I think that's right. Mostly because his shooting limitations mean that you right. can't actually have him on the floor often enough to really make use of his defense. I also think he maybe fouls too much uh, and that might hurt um, his His ability to stay on the floor. But like what he did do was guard uh ones. He he could guard basically one through four, depending on how strong that power forward was, um, and if he could hold up because he's a skinny guy, but like they would throw him on Trey Young, they would throw him on uh Damian Lillard, and he'd heckle those guys. Um and he, you know, he made life tough on them. So I mean that's a really underrated skill to have a guy who can credibly like for sure guard one through three and potentially one through four. But yeah, all that said, I mean, I think they'll be fine. I think they're probably just hoping for improvements again from Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, um, maybe for hopefully more improvements from Kendrick Nunn. Um, maybe Precious Ach- Achua is better than they think or better than we think uh, and better immediately. And maybe that like lessens the blow of the loss of Jay Crowder. But I think I'm a bit nervous about them not having someone who can credibly guard fours and also shoot the three, um, which is what Jay Crowder gave them. But right. yeah, other than that, yeah, I think
0: heartless there and and um, not quite the size of Crowder to to deal with the tougher fours and a lot sketchier shooting.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then you know Bradley sort of the. Derek Jones, Jr. replacement at the top of that zone. Um, and you'll get some other ball handling out of him, but, um, and, and a little shooting too. Um, I'm I'm curious, Jalen, uh, the, the Myers Leonard was a little bit of a surprise. I thought they could have let him go. Wouldn't you rather have Crowder?
2: Yeah, I would definitely rather have Crowder. Um, it seems like the reality was that they wanted Crowder back on a one-year deal and he wasn't willing to do that because, you know, he's getting older. He wants his money. He wants, you know, the longevity and the security in the league took the three-year deal with the sons. Uh, I think they, I think the thinking maybe behind signing Myers is that like they don't want to invest a lot of resources in center, given the fact that they're going to play bam at the five um, in crunch time and in important minutes in the playoffs. And so Myers is, you know, generally healthy, big, strong guy can shoot the three really well. You know, they can just roll him out there in the regular season, take some of the pressure off Bam. So Bam doesn't have to bang with the big guys all year and then come playoff time, sit him on the bench, start Bam at the five, um, you know, downsize, play a switch everything defense. Play Andre right. Iguodala at the 5, apparently. <laughs> that yeah, happened sure. a bit. Uh, <laughs> great play Precious Achua at the 5. Uh, uh, I imagine now that they're going to have to do that some also. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my guess. Kyle, what were you thinking? Well, you know,
1: I'm just thinking about this in the the, the world of missed opportunities. Um, you know, there are a couple of teams this free agency period who... Could have done more. Who are waiting for Giannis's free agency? And uh, you know, the Heat are one. Dallas is another. Those are probably. I think those are the two most important. I think that um, yeah, if Toronto. I were, if if I were yeah. Giannis, I'd be looking. At, yeah, I mean, Toronto too. I just think that Pascal Siakam's skill set overlaps with Giannis's in ways that. Um, you know, that like, I, I really think like playing with Luca is, is got to be like a big potential draw for him. Um, and, you know, and the heat culture has, uh, you know, as we got to hear a lot right. about in the playoffs last year, um, would also be, um, another, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I backtrack even saying that right then just because of the, you know, the Raptors have really built up a reputation. You're right. Um, I don't want to discount that. But the, the,
0: the thing Aaron that's been AIDS on my mind now their center, now.
1: yeah, <laughs> Gasol. Yeah, what's what's been on my mind all free agency though is that um, if I were Giannis and if I wanted to resign with Milwaukee and I'd already, in a sense, decided to resign in Milwaukee, you know, as other. Big free agents have with the understanding that if things go really wrong in a year or two from now, that you know, the team will make every out accommodate- accommodation to trade me. You know, I would still at this moment want to uh, put other teams in as bad a situation as I could, you know, kind of like what Kawhi did to the Lakers last year. And that would mean that I would wait until basically everyone had signed everywhere, and those teams who are like retaining cap space for next year prominently those three teams that we just talked about um hadn't done anything um and you know that's especially important in the eastern conference with miami and and toronto um you know two teams that beat milwaukee in the last two seasons um and uh and so I guess, like, I don't really have a question for this, but I, I do want to, uh, you know, I want to lob it back to you here. I'm like, I'm wondering, like, what do you think of this off season if Giannis is playing that kind of game here? If he, you know, in a week or two, uh, you know, signs that contract and the Heat haven't done anything with that cap space right after they made it to the finals and won two games and proved themselves to be very, very close to winning a championship.
2: Yeah, and and I'd like to hear Michael's thoughts after this, so I'll try to be short. But, I mean, I think I necessarily feel worse about the Heat than I did, like, immediately after the finals, I guess. Um, but, I mean, two things. I think this is kind of a bet on internal improvement from the guys I mentioned, Robinson, Hero, Nunn. Uh, it's kind of a bet that um, Drogic will be healthy and that a healthy Drogba is a good enough second or one a creator for you to win a championship. Um it's and then I also think it's kind of um it's a bet on precious Atua and um Harkless, I guess, because I mean I think it's hard to understate how important Jay Crowder was to the switch everything defense that the heat played in the playoffs that really propelled them. Um, you know, he was guarding uh, LeBron in the finals and he was hot shooting three in that buck series and early on in the playoffs. So it's hard to understate that. So I'm a bit nervous about that, but again, Jay Crowder is a limited player. So maybe in the in the aggregate they'll be able to duplicate that skill set as far as Giannis goes I mean I think you're right I think there's a real question to be asked about what did they sacrifice here they didn't get in on the drew holiday sweepstakes there's been no buzz about them trading for James Harden uh, because they don't want to mess up that cap space which I understand if you can get Giannis you don't want to get stuck with James Harden especially when there is a potential culture clash in Miami um, but I mean, you know, they also couldn't re-sign Jay Crowder. So there's definitely been an opportunity cost. I guess what I would say is they he have a track record of creating cap space out of thin air. Um, so they're gonna have to do that again if they want to get Giannis. <laughs> uh, because not yeah. only have they not only were they like saving cap space and missing out on these other players, but now they've kind of blown up that cap space because uh Bam signed his um Rookie extension, his uh, max rookie extension today. So, yeah, that that cap space is gone now, which is you know depends on how you want to take that. Maybe that's an indication that. They think Giannis is going to sign the supermax, and they're out of the sweepstakes. Or maybe it's an indication that Bam told them, "Look, I'm going to be pissed off if you don't give me this contract right now." And they didn't want to upset him, and so they did it. And they figured, "We'll figure out the rest if Giannis wants to come here later," which they have a track record of doing. Yeah,
0: I mean, I suspect that there must be intel that Giannis is going to sign that supermax. Um, but on the, the flip side, is the other thing you just said, and and Pat Rowley has said it that they were going to take care of their own, and part of that would be taking care of Bam if Bam needed to be taken care of, so yeah. that that could be there, but I, and then I think your other point is dead on here, just you know, we're talking about internal improvement um you know hero made a tremendous jump in the playoffs uh it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this season you already mentioned none um possibly developing more i'm wondering um you know as going through depth charts lots and lots of them have duncan robinson starting at the 2 again this season do you think that shifts at all with hero's improvement
2: yeah, I, it seems like I'm hearing that maybe they they might want Hero to start. Um and the real dilemma for the Heat is that their best offensive players are their weakest defenders in Duncan Robinson and Tyler <laughs> right. Hero. Um and if those guys can continue to improve on defense, that'll go a long a long way to making them kind of like a you know, not a juggernaut, but I think one of the untold stories was just how the Heat sort of mimicked what the Warriors did, where like basically all five guys on the floor could dribble, pass, and shoot at right. any one time. Like even Kelly Olinick. Kelly Olinick, I think, had a triple double at one point this season. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, he can make plays, he can pass, he can shoot the three, he can shoot on the move. So just just having
0: separate your shoulder.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can do that. (laughs) Just having multiple guys who can do that really goes a long way. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I guess you see Tyler Hero at the one, Robinson at the two, Jimmy Butler at the three, Bam at the four, and then Leonard at the five. I mean, I wouldn't, that's not a bad starting lineup, although that kind of alienates Kendrick Nunn. Um, So we'll see.
0: Well, it, I mean, it was hard to watch him second half of the season in the playoffs. It was it, it was tough. It seemed, uh, you know, I don't know if his body was giving out. I don't know if it was becoming a mental thing, just, you know, trying too hard even. Um, yeah. But but I feel like there's going to be a reset for him, and we'll see some development there. And then I watched some of the uh, Achua highlights, and I have to believe, at least defensively, he'll be able to um, do what Jay Crowder did.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great athlete. That that's the that's a report, freak athlete. And his shot looked good in the workout videos, but it's a workout video, so yeah. Go ahead, Kyle.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say the the only thing that like the image in my mind from the heat is Tyler Hero with that star snarl and I just feel like he's, <laughs> he's gonna have it's gonna be a little while before he can he, he can uh Uh, move on from that Uh, like wasn't that kind of like a turning point i mean it wasn't just that he did that snarl but then he kind of for the rest of the the series just wasn't the same player Post
0: snarl he wasn't as good i mean i mean he was i mean
2: he was the biggest liability i think for the heat I mean, he was exposed on defense. He had a horrible plus minus. Like, the defense took a huge hit when he was on the floor. Pretty much everyone attacked him, KCP, Danny Green. And, you know, they attacked Robinson also. But I think even within the series and within the playoffs as a whole, Robinson continually got better on defense. And he just has more requisite size to deal with those sort of attacks. Um, But, no, you're, you're right. I mean, it was certainly a humbling finals for... Uh, Tyler Hero he had some rough shooting nights you know he was taken advantage of and put in switches all the time so yeah I
1: guess right. I want to put it this way um, when he, I think Tyler Hero is a tremendous player but that moment of the snarl reminded me of Kyle Kuzma and uh, <laughs> and I guess I just realized that I that I did just take a real jab at Kyle Kuzma um, by by saying that. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> that That's the, okay. The, the snarl reminded me of him, but. Um, but it, it is it's that sort of way where like the, the the swagger just doesn't quite live up to the stature of of the player. And I really felt like he succumbed to that in that snarl moment and it was like such a reproduced image and they were replaying it all the time through the rest of the yeah. finals and um, I, yeah, I, I know. mean but, that's like,
2: fair but. Uh, didn't what did he score? Thirty-seven points in the Eastern Conference Finals yeah, but, as rookie. I mean, I just think he's better than Kyle Kuzma already. So.
0: Oh yeah, I would take him over Kuzma in a second. Um, but but yeah, I
1: was I wasn't comparing comparing their game. I mean, yeah. I already I already said that. But but I compared no, the, the attitude. Moment the and, attitude. And,
2: yeah. Yeah. No, I think and, you're right there. Like I think there is a, a sort of like uh, hype beast element to their vibes.
0: Yeah, you're still a backup two or a backup three, depending on who you're referring to here. So
2: like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat tried to trade none um, just because Drogic is back. If Hero is more empowered, that kind of alienates him. And, you know, he has specific liabilities and he's sort of someone who kind of doesn't really operate within the flow offense that they have. he's. He's kind of a ball stopper. He's not really doesn't have a great feel for when to cut and when to spot up in off ball situations. He's kind of like almost always like there's like a gravitational pull that the basketball has and he's kind of always walking towards it instead of like spacing out or doing something else. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen.
0: I think that's all we had on our list today. We're going to come back in the next couple of pods and talk about some other groupings here, the contenders in the West, the teams who did the most, the teams who should have done more, some of those things. But I think that is it for this episode of the Shot Tower Pod. We are turning off the phantom power.
1: Cheers.